millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rotor Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav, and I join you once again after yet another Sunderland win. It's nice to talk about a win yet again. And like I said uh, last week, we are we are talking about another Sunderland win. This week, we're talking about another Sunderland win. I hope that this time next week, I'm talking about another two Sunderland wins, but it keeps us all in a good mood, doesn't it? And uh, I am joined once again by Phil West. Hi, Phil. Hi, Gav. How are you doing? Yes, good, mate. Good, good, Excellent. good. And also joined by Chris Wynn. Hiya, Chris. You all right, Gav? Yes, very good. Very good because we're here to talk, like I just said, about another Sunderland win. Managed to pull one out the bag, Chris, didn't we, against Oxford. Late winner from Elliot Embleton. Send the fans home happy. It uh, doesn't get much better than that, does it? We did. We did. And that's uh, <laughs> that's what you want at the business end of the season. You're playing a promotion rival and uh, you leave it late. We're doing it quite often. But a late goal, I don't know why, but those victories just feel a little bit more than just a kind of standard three points, doesn't it? You seem to celebrate them a bit more. Yeah. And I don't know, there's something about them that just feels a bit better, isn't it? Yeah, it, remind, it reminds me a little bit of when uh, when Roy Keane was manager and we just seemed to do it every week. I don't know if you remember that sort of run as, as fondly as I do, but I remember like going to places like Southampton and Coventry and Birmingham and they're just late goals just... It when you when you when you're in a promotion race, if you can do that, it feels ten times better, doesn't it? You've got momentum behind you then. It, it does, it does. And I, I was just looking actually, and um, bizarrely, since Alex Neal's first game in charge against Wimbledon, we've scored twelve goals, and seven of them have been in the last ten minutes. Yeah, it's a mark. It's a mark of a team heading the right direction. I think I tweeted this last night after the game. You know the amount of late goals that we're scoring. It just it all points to to better things. The annoying thing from my perspective, and I don't know if you're the same as me here, Phil, but the annoying thing is that when you look at the league table, it doesn't actually feel like we're making any progress. It's like we, you know, we're winning every week. We're I think I said to you guys off air, we're we're joint top of the form table with MK Dons and Wigan, having conceded less goals than both. So you know, arguably you could say we're the best defensive side in the league on top of being up there with the rest of them in terms of form. But we're not like making any ground on anybody. Nobody else is seemingly slipping up until this weekend when everybody around us, both above and below, bar Wigan, uh, drop points. And, it, and yeah. that, hopefully that happens a few more times. I mean, we've we've got a game on Friday, a game on Monday, as do pretty, I think everybody in the league um, has has to play those two games over Easter. 
And this is when squads start getting tested, isn't it? When the pressure's on a little bit and there's not as much time to recover and we're actually coming down to the nitty-gritty in the season. We, we're at a stage now in the season where I think everybody is around about 42, 41 games played. So there isn't a lot of football left. And if you start dropping points at this stage, you, you could well drop out of the playoffs. So from our perspective, to be the team who is uh, is picking up momentum and, and not dropping points and, and actually beating sides around us now, as we've done with Oxford, it bodes well, doesn't it? Yeah, huge win yesterday, Gav. Very important win. Um, on the pod last week, I touched on the fact that it was going to be a psychological test as well as a physical test for us, This the, the running before the playoffs hopefully begin. Um, and yesterday was more proof of it. We didn't play particularly brilliantly by our recent standards. I felt we were a bit scrappy and a bit patchy at times. But I think the biggest thing that the teams around us will have gleaned from yesterday's result and recent results for us is that we are a team that will go the distance in order to pick up results. We are yeah. a team now under Alex Neil who are incredibly difficult to beat. We're very resilient. We're very organised. There's a great team spirit there. And this is all going to be very, very important. And what you mentioned earlier, Gav, I noticed that you, when you tweeted that about the Roy Keane season, actually, which I've actually written about, I've expanded on that point because I do think there are comparisons uh, to be made there. That Keane team had an incredible, you know, never say die attitude as well. And even when we weren't quite at our best under Keane, you know, there were times when we would grind out a result. You know, you wouldn't be talking about the aesthetics of the game afterwards. All you would be focusing on was the three points. Similar story yesterday. Not the prettiest game we've ever played. Not the best performance, but three valuable points. And at this stage, that's all that matters. It is. And you touched on something there about the team ethic. Uh, Alex Neil talked about that in his post-match, Chris, and um, mentioned the impact that players from the bench can make in, in our season and have made and you just touch on it there, the amount of late goals we're scoring. Importantly, it's players off the bench who are making the impact. I mean, Embleton's came on in the last two games, got a, an assist last week and then a goal this week. He brought on Danny Barton. He addressed that in his post-match again and said, well, I was watching the game and I felt that if they were going to score a second goal, it was going to come from a corner or it was going to come from a, a throw-in. And that's why I brought him on. And everyone was scratching their head when he made that change. But... Everything he seems to be doing at the minute is working, isn't it? He's his game management at the minute, whether it be you know bringing on a defender when it might be a bit of a head scratcher for the fans, or taking off a, an attacking player who people would prefer was on the pitch. Whatever he's doing is working, isn't it? And it's really quite difficult as a fan to sit here and argue with anything he's doing at the minute. Well, uh, uh, eventually, I mean, I'm going to disagree with uh, with you lads on a couple of things. We might as well make it a controversial pod. <laughs> But uh, I mean, the, the the Roy Keane season, I slightly disagree with you there. I, I remember the feeling around that and it kind of felt like a bit of a machine that season where, I don't know, everything, it, we just felt like we were going to win where I'm not quite at that, I'm not feeling that way before before games um, at this point. Even though we're on this good run, it still feels a bit like we're, we're stuttering a little bit and just getting and grinding out the results. It, it didn't really feel like that under Roy Keane. But, do, you not think, do you not think it did? I don't know if I, I just remember it differently. You know, I don't I, know. I feel like we were, we 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 would have you know a lot of close games against teams around us, and we would just you know Carlos Edwards would put one in from thirty yards, or David Conley would score, and it, we it was I know we're, we're digressing a little bit and going back in time, yeah. but it did feel a bit well, like that to me at the time, certainly. Maybe 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 it's just because um, I'm old now and I really enjoyed that <laughs> season, but um, and different perspective now. Maybe I don't know, but it just felt a bit more comfortable then. Maybe the slight similarities, but I mean, just on the subject of Alex Neil not being able to to kind of get anything wrong. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, look, going back through the games, I mean, Embleton must be banging on Alex Nail's door saying, come on, give us a starting place. Because I know twice at the stadium, like I think once was against Burton and once might have been against Fleetwood and Crew, where he put that ball in from, from the right-hand side where he whipped it in with his left foot and we got goals from them and, and went on to, to, to get points. He, he scored at the weekend against Gillingham. Um, I mean, he must be banging on the manager's door. But I, I agree with you in the sense, Gav, that... What he's doing during the game, his game management, what he's seeing is working and he's changing the game, which is brilliant. That's that's what you pay a manager to do. But he's starting decisions in terms of the starting 11. He's actually causing a few, one or, few, one or two issues that is going on during the game, which then leads him to, to have to change things. I mean, I, I didn't quite get our game plan at the weekend. Um, I wasn't quite sure what we were trying to do with Oxford for for long periods of the game. And I think um, it sounds like Alex Neal alluded to that after the game. Yeah, well, it, it was pretty It was pretty much the first thing he did when he spoke to the press was he held his hands up and said, yeah. look, yeah. I, told, I got it wrong first half with our set you know, um, I'll be the first one to hold my hands up when I've made a mistake and I've made a mistake there. Yeah. I, wasn't ex- I, th- I, was, I really wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Yeah, so I completely agree with you that what he's seeing is he's reacting to it, which is exactly what you want a manager to do. But there was some there was some kind of head scratches in terms of his selections. I mean, Sirkin as a left-sided defender and then putting Clark as a kind of a wing-back midfielder. When we were under the cosh a little bit, it didn't quite work because you want those to go forward. Um, so there was, there was one or two decisions in there. But, I mean, if you're talking about the defensive side of things, I mean, it's incredible at this stage of the season making us hard to beat, um, like, like we mentioned. But... We've only conceded one goal in the last six games, which at this stage of the season is is exactly what you want. I mean, you've got that you've got that foundation in place, and we we've already talked about. Well, we'll probably talk about them later on as well. But the amount of play forward players we've got who can produce something, I mean, it boards well that you've got that foundation locked in that you're not conceding. So yeah, hopefully we can just keep getting the goals. Yeah, I was a little bit um, not. I don't know if it annoys the word, but. Myth that Ross Stewart still isn't getting in amongst the goals again. Just I, t- I talked about it last week. I, I think it's now eight without scoring from open play for him. He had a yeah. great chance to score. If I'm being nitpicky with our sort of forward players, it's probably that he we really need him to find his shooting boots again if we are going to get promoted. Um, and yeah. I'm sure he will. I, and I want to come on to this a little bit later in the pod, so I won't I won't go over it. But his sort of role in the next few games is interesting for me. Overall, though, the amount of different goal scorers now that we've got. Under Lee Johnson, it felt like there was only really Stuart scoring goals, where now you're looking at it, Corey Evans is getting a goal there. Embleton scored, and we know Embleton, for, he has got flaws in his game. <clears throat> and there are, there are quite a few, in my opinion, in terms of his ability to sort of run and dictate games from the start. He's, his lack of pace worries us a little bit, and he, he does tend to go missing. But you can't fault the lad, Phil, can you, for the way... He's came in and, and made an impact. And Alex Neal talked about it after the game. He said that, uh, you know, Embleton's making it very hard for him now when he's coming to him and asking why am I not starting games. He's making it very yeah. hard for us to make that decision now because he's he's producing. So, yeah. and that's what you want. You want your, you want your fringe players or your players who are coming off the bench to be going to the manager now and with, with, with evidence and saying, look, I'm producing in games. I should be starting games. Why aren't I? You yeah. know, there's no arguing with it, is it, with Embleton in the last few? No, not, not at all, Gavin. I think, I mean, I've been banging the drum for Elliot Embleton for the best part of two years now because I do feel he is a player who can offer us something a little bit different in attack. And obviously, Neil see, Alex Neil sees his role as a little bit differently, which is fair enough, not a problem with that. But, you know, picking up on the point that Chris just made there is that, you know, we, we do have, 
an incredible array of attacking options now. And I think what's encouraging for me is the fact that we've now got that defensive solidity. We've got that base on which to build. If we can get the attack firing just a little bit better, get the likes of Ross Stewart back into the game a little bit more, we could really put teams to the sword. So I think with I think with Neil's management at the moment, it's a very much a case of trying to find that right balance. And I think he's made us incredibly difficult to beat, which is admirable, which was much needed as well. Um, but I don't, I still don't think we've quite clicked as an attacking force just yet. But I am convinced that that will come. So I think M. Bolton could play a role in that. I personally, at the moment, I think he will stay uh, on the substitute bench, maybe with a chance of becoming a starter over the Easter weekend, depending on how Neil wants to set things up. I think the other thing as well, Gav, as well as that we're talking about the forward players, uh, Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts really did frustrate the life out of me yesterday because the number of times they would get on the ball, what I like about them is they've got the confidence to get on the ball and drive forward. But the problem is, more often than not, when they get into those promising positions, they're cutting inside, cutting inside, as opposed to going out wide and trying to stretch the opposition defence. And I think that's something we need to say a little bit more of. So, Again, plenty of attacking potential there. It's just how we get them or how Alex Neal gets them kind of molded into, into one cohesive unit, which I think will come without a doubt. Just to jump in there, Phil. I mean, you said you've been banging on the door for a couple of years with Embleton, and I, I think Embleton's yeah. a cracking player. I, I really like him. He, he's a good player. Start of the season, he was kind of Pritchard's, I suppose, understudy in that yeah. in that kind of hole behind, behind Ross Stewart because yeah. we were playing that system. Alex Neal isn't playing that. I mean, we started with that three-four-three kind of formation at the weekend. Where does Embleton fit in with the way Alex Neal's playing? Do you think? I think he plays wide. To be honest with you, um, I think he. The, uh, it's a difficult one because we, I think we've talked about this in our WhatsApp chat. Is he's yet to nail, yet to really nail down a position? You know, I, I don't want to use the term utility player because I think that's just a lazy label that gets affixed to players every now and then. But you know, I think he's best. I, I think his best position in this system is probably out wide, personally. Um, it's a very tough call, though, Chris. You know, yeah. it's, it's not an easy thing for Neil to have to for, to try to shoehorn him into that into that thing because obviously Pritchard's nailed down that ten position yeah. when fit and firing, no doubt about that. And again, this is what Neil's paid the big bucks to do. You know, these are the kind of decisions that he's going to have to make if he wants to get us towards promotion. But I do think there's a role for Embleton yeah. to play. I really, really do. Yeah, but my, my slight issue is with that, is that, you know, with, with the way Alex Neil wants to play around Stewart, he wants pace around him. He wants That's why he's got Roberts, or he started with Roberts and Broadhead, you know, yeah. close close to Ross Stewart. And Embleton, he, he's that type of player who likes the player being in front of him. He doesn't, yeah. want, to, he doesn't want to be running beyond Ross Stewart. And you can see every time that, Alex Neal uses Embleton at the moment. He has to change the system to bring Embleton on. So yeah. it's, I mean, I agree with you that there's a role from somewhere, but, and I, and I agree with you again, that I think he'll stay on the bench purely because he doesn't fit into the way that Alex Neal wants to start games. Yeah. There's two things I would pick up on there. There's the, one is that, and we don't actually talk about this very much, but when a manager makes the decision to bring on a player and they have an impact, more often than not, we then sit there and go, right, well, how do we get him into the starting eleven? And I sometimes think, well, if in the last two games we've needed a spark from the bench and Emilton's provided that, then maybe his best role in this next six games and hopefully beyond is as a player from the bench. We don't always talk about players in that way because it's not really fashionable to do so. But, you know, Embleton has came off the bench and made an impact. So, you know, it could be that 
that is his role. Yeah. You know, he stays on the bench. The other thing as well that I would mention about M. Button as well, when he came off the bench yesterday, I thought his body language and his attitude looked really, really positive. You know, you play, players often if they if they're not if they're not in the starting eleven. I know Roy Keane once mentioned this in one of his post match interviews. He looked at the substitutes bench and subs if they're not picked in the starting eleven, they can look there, they can sit there and look a bit disinterested, or you know, you don't trust me, Gaffer, all that type of thing. I think with M. Button, I really do think he appreciates the fact that it's a squad game. He has a role to play within that squad, but he's just got to be patient and wait for his opportunity. So I like the attitude he showed when he came on yesterday. And if he wanted to send a message to Alex Neal, he couldn't have done it any more emphatically than he did yesterday, scoring that goal. So I thought mm, he, yeah. he acquitted himself very, very well, I felt. And, and that's that's especially true, Phil, in the fact that he came on with five minutes to go. Yes. So a lot of players coming on with five minutes to, to go would almost be shrugging their shoulders saying, well, you know, what do you yeah. expect us to do? And, and he came up with the goods and, and got us three points. Yeah. The other thing I would say as well, and another thing that we don't really talk much about, but Sirkin is the only left-sided player we've got, and he's not really got much pace, and he doesn't tend to overlap and get forward very, very often. And to be honest, when he does, I feel like he gets caught in his feet and something struggles to take a man on. And in front of him, in recent weeks, we've had Jack Clark, who is all right foot. So we're struggling for width on that left-hand side of the pitch. Embleton isn't quick. He's you know he's he's very skillful and he's technically very good and he can pick a pass, but he isn't he isn't quick. So I think what Neil, I'm looking at the team he picked yesterday, sorry on Saturday, and I'm looking at the way it's it's laid out. And yeah, it didn't it didn't go right, and he and he admitted that. But for me, when you look at the players we've got, he's trying to he's trying to pick a balanced team, isn't he? In a way that. You know, we don't have too much of this on one side, or we're not so weak. And, and you know, you could put Embleton and Circuit out on the left, and you probably don't have that pace out there. I don't know. I I, I did say last week that I thought that Embleton could maybe start out wide. Um, on the preview show with Rich, I said that. You know, yeah. I, I, I kind of talked myself out of starting Broadhead. I felt maybe it came a little bit too soon from. I thought that Embleton might play out on the left. Um, but when you look at the system he picked, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, it's it's difficult because like you, you said at the start Chris at the start of the season when Alex Pritchard had COVID and was injured and all the rest of it mm. that, that opportunity for Embleton to nail down that spot was there because there was no competition for the place and he played and um, the problem is is that when Alex Pritchard's fit he's our best player easily. I've talked about this a lot yeah. he's easily the best player in Sunderland's team in terms of all round play what he's able to offer us so it doesn't matter how well Embleton's playing he isn't going to take that spot from Alex Pritchard Um. And there's a million things to weigh up. Like, you know, you look at the team that went out there and Lyndon Gooch playing right right back, right wing back. It, it's out of necessity, really, because he obviously doesn't trust a great amount of the young players we've got. You know, he hasn't played Neil much. He hasn't played Trihume at all. Yeah. Mateti came back in. I was actually quite surprised by that. But out of all of them, Mateti has got a little bit more experience. So maybe that's why he was thrown in. He's defensively sound. But players like Gooch keep coming into the team because of one thing in my opinion and it's just voices on the pitch and experience and he tends to favor that he trusts them, so doesn't he? yeah he does he trusts them and whether yeah. they're playing well or not is i think it doesn't it it, it doesn't tell the full story because that's why he's, he's stuck by evans and i thought again when me and rich were talking on uh friday i talked about Corey evans and so he's the, he's the whipping boy at the minute but he's stuck by evans and these last three games he's been fine i mean he got the goal at the yeah. weekend he got a goal so 
there is method in it, I think. Yeah. But it's just difficult at the minute to see how he strike. I don't think there's a perfect balance. I think in the summer he'll look at that squad and and he'll he'll rip it a bit. He will because it isn't it isn't balanced enough for, for either league. I don't think. But yeah. we're just making do at the minute. Yeah. Well, an- another another positive to this is that, I mean we're we're talking about all these selections. What Alex Neal's doing to start with, what he's bringing you know what he's bringing on during the game, and another positive to all this. Is we're talking about the form we're unbeaten in seven, four wins out of the last six, conceded one goal in the last six games, and it's obvious that Alex Neil is still experimenting every single game. He he, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what his best side is. He doesn't know. He doesn't really know kind of what his best options are. Um, he, he's trying. <laughs> he's trying to mix and match. I mean, like you mentioned, Lyndon Gooch. I think Lyndon Gooch um, was on the bench at home. But away from home, we had Clark on the left. Like you said, we had Sergan and Clark on the left who were likely to push forward. So what Gooch, what Gooch's job was, was he was in there because of his work rate. So when those two went forward on the left-hand side, Gooch was always tucking in and he stayed back and he was kind of almost like a, almost like a standard right-back, almost like yeah. a full-back. And because you saw when Gooch got forward, he's struggling when he goes forward at the moment, but his work rate up and down that right-hand side... And away from home in a game like um, at the weekend against Oxford is exactly what you want Lyndon Gooch in there for, where he's just going to battle for you. He's going to run up and down. He's not going to produce anything spectacular. He's going to not going to do kind of anything daft. He, he seems to be someone who Alex Neal says you'll keep you'll keep your position. Um, I like it. You know you, you're going to win the ball back for us, and, and that's why you know players in there are in there like that. I mean, Matete is energy as well in the middle. Exactly the same, I think, theory as Gooch get energy up and down um, away from home. Um, and then you can see he, he likes more of the ball players when, when we're back at the stadium alike. I think, Chris, do you just picking up on that point, do you think that by nature, Alex Neal is a manager who values kind of graft industry work rate over genuine stardust from from, from players? Do, do you think that's just his his approach? His Get the fundamentals right first and then garnish it with a little bit of skill and a little bit of talent everywhere else? Absolutely. Did, I don't know if you've you, either of you have seen an old um, interview. I think it was with Football Focus that he did while he was at Nor. Might have been at Norwich, or it might have been bef- before Norwich. Uh, but Alex Neil did this did this interview on a Football Focus years ago, and you probably have seen it on YouTube or somewhere. But he basically just went. He was talking about his values as a, as a manager and what he likes in his squad and his players, and he basically listed all the things you've just said, Phil. He was like, basically, I want players who are responsible, players who you know who work hard and all this sort of stuff. And I think that's his foundation. And he's gone in, looked at our squad, and said, "You're a good character. You're a good character." Right, that's that's the basis of my squad. That's the foundation yeah. of my first eleven. And then, like you said, around that, he's trying to to experiment on what the best combination is around those core core players that he knows are going to be there week after week. Yeah. Um, and 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 I don't know. I don't know if he knows what is the best options around that. But I think he's got like three or four players that he knows he wants to be in there. You know, every game after game. Yeah, I've been wrestling with this in my head recently because obviously I spoke to quite a few Preston and Norwich fans before he came, and I don't actually think the Alex Neil we've got is necessarily what they've described to us. But I think that's out of pure necessity. I think he's. He's had to look at what he's what you know what he was handed, which is a squad of very talented players, <clears throat> but which wasn't particularly balanced. A lot of young players who were being flogged, playing every week. You know we haven't really seen a lot of the players that 
I actually Lee Johnson plays a lot of trust in. Alan Doyle's a great example. Yeah. Doyle and Dan Neal they just haven't featured. And I and I think he's looked at the squad, he's looked at what he's got, and he's went, How what is the easiest, what is the what's the best way to get this team promoted? Yeah. And he's and he I think I think if we do get promoted regardless of what we do in the summer, whether we get promoted or not, I don't think he's gonna have a team like this. I don't think they're gonna play this way. I think when he's got a clean slate in the summer, regardless of what the league is. I just don't think this is how it'll play. I just think this is very much a case of a manager coming in, picking up a squad of players from another manager, basically, yeah, and just looking at it and going, how do I get through? How do I hit my target this season? It isn't going to be by you know necessarily playing the style of football that got his results at Norwich and Preston. It's going to be by doing this. And that is why all of these experienced players who aren't all favoured by the fans feature so heavily yeah. because... I don't, I'll not I'll not necessarily name names, but I, I did get a tidbit of conversation from a current member of staff via a friend recently who mentioned that the reason that Tri Hume hasn't featured so much is because Winchester is a big personality and he's a voice on the pitch and he's a yeah. leader. And so he's playing, you know what I mean? Because Alex Neal's looking at it and going, I need, I need these people on the pitch. If we're going to get there come the end of the season, I need these people on the pitch. And, you know, in the summer, I don't think that'll be the case. I think you might look at it from a different angle. So, And I think the other thing as well, the other thing as well that you have to do is that you kind of caveat whatever Alex Neal achieves this season with the fact that this is not really his squad of players, you know, which is the similar a similar situation to when Lee Johnson came in and he came in and he had a patch of, team, he had, he had a patch of defense together with sticky tape, you know, and then obviously we fell short last season. The squad then turns over, we bring in new players and, you know, it'll be the same this season. So... I think I think what you you've said there is absolutely right, Gav. As well, is that you know we have to have kind of one eye on the summer, and what Alex Neal will do with this squad, or how we will probably, as you said, dismantle this squad, rebuild it in his own image. So that that'll be an interesting talking point when the season finishes, without a doubt. There's two there's two things I wanted to to raise against that. I mean, the, the first one being you two were both talking about this, reminding you of of the Roy Keane season. For me, and I was going to mention this earlier on, but forgot. It actually reminds me of last season. And, and you've just mentioned it there, uh, Phil, that it does remind me of last season where Lee Johnson came in, tried to do the best with what he what he had. Last season, he had the combination of McGeady and Wyke, which he just said, that works, just carry on doing that. This season, we haven't got that obvious clear-cut combination. We've had injuries as well. Pritchard's kind of picked up injuries and things like that. So Alex Neal is trying to work, like you said, with with, with what he's got um, to, to, um, to, to try and get the right formula as quickly as possible because he's running out of time. We've got kind of, what, six games left, something like that. The other thing, talking about dismantling the squad, I mean, we talked about this last season. This is this is the thing that worries us. We talked we talk like last season, we were there or thereabouts, right, let's dismantle the squad and start again. Yeah. And we're using the same words again 12 months later. And if you're doing that, something's gone wrong. Something's gone massively wrong in the plan if we're talking about dismantling this squad again with with you know twelve months later, Alex Neal wants to do something completely different, and I'm just worried that we're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes, and we'll see. I mean, if you're if you two are both saying that Alex Neal might want to dismantle the squad, I think in the summer we'll see clearly exactly what the the plan is in terms of Speakman, in terms of the owner, absolutely. Because if yeah. if they do dismantle the squad, then it's clear that. They've kind of ripped up this, oh, we're going to bring in the players in the model of how we want Sunderland to play. And mm. they're bending to the whim of the manager. 
Yeah. I, I, I say that in, in January, I wasn't happy with how it ended. I felt that we left ourselves short at left back, and that's yeah. why we're, we're unbalanced on the left. Um, you know, there's there's certain things I would have done in January that they didn't do. Um, and I think we all we all fought along the same lines. And, you know, regardless of the fact that we're now picking up results, we're doing so with an unbalanced team to a degree. I've I've spoke quite a lot recently about the, the depth of the squad. I, I maintain it. We have got a better squad than anyone in this league. It keeps showing it every week when we keep picking up results with players coming off the bench. You know, if you can bring a player like Elliot Embleton off the bench who would start for every other team in this league, you're doing all right, aren't you? You've got Danny Bart coming on. Callum Doyle didn't even make it off the bench. Dan Neal didn't even make it off the bench. You've got yeah. to keep our own loan from, from Bayern Munich sat on the bench. You've got Tri Hume, who's just um, made his full international debut, who would probably feature for most teams in this league. And then you've got all these other players who weren't even on the bench, like Zia Pritchard, McGeady isn't even fit, etc., etc. These players are here, but the problem is, is that regardless, they could all be fit. I still feel like we're not quite balanced enough in terms of the squad. But you've got to give him credit. The results have been fantastic. He's found a way to work it out. Yeah, there's I mean, no doubt. It's, the, the problem is as well for a lot of people is that the performances haven't been great. Yeah. And we've talked about this a few times recently in terms of whether whether or not the, the, the performances are actually that important. And I've said they aren't to me. They're not. You know, And, and I, would, I would also say that uh, it depends how you judge a performance, doesn't it? Because... Are we talking about that all all fo- all good football is just teams playing other teams off the park and, and walking to victory? Or is good football when your manager recognises during a game that something's not working, he makes a change, the players rally together because they've got a great team spirit like our team does right now, and they get the goal. Yeah. And we score late on. And as a fan, as a fan in the away end, there's nothing better than celebrating a late goal, a late winner. So... You know what? What is what is the right way to do things? I don't know. To me, the right way to do things is to find a way to win games, which is exactly what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I think Alex Neil wants his players to come off the park, tanks empty, covered in sweat, having given everything for the during that ninety minutes. I think that's what he classes as good football effort endeavor. As Chris said, plenty of graft, plenty of hard work. Um, and at the moment, you know, if in my opinion, and I'm with you on this, Gav, at this stage in the season. I think when everything is so closely fought in that promotion shake-up that we're trying to get into, I think the emphasis has to be on results over aesthetics. And look, I don't find Alex Neal a particularly inspiring manager. I hold my hands up on that. I don't find him particularly charismatic. I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. What I care about is the fact that he's turned us into a solid, hard-to-beat team with a good ethos, good team spirit, good attitude. And at this stage in the season, when we're going for a promotion, that is all that matters. Performances, you can worry about them early doors, you know, in the season when you're trying to kind of set, you know, make a statement as to what kind of team you want to be. You know, in the autumn time, for example, that's I think when the emphasis needs to be on performance. But now has to be about results. So if the end justifies the means, I'm all for it. And at this stage, it's hard to argue against his record without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I agree with that. I, I agree with that that um, the results kind of speak for themselves at the moment. My only concern is on the on the kind of performance front is if he can keep doing it. Absolutely fantastic, you know. No bother. We'll get through it. Um, in terms of the playoffs and stuff like that. But it, my worry is that we seem to be winging it game by game. Yeah. Against Oxford, there was long periods of the game where I couldn't work out what our game plan was. Was it knock it long? Was it play? You know, was it keep possession? Was it hit them on the counter attack? I just couldn't tell what our game plan was, and that's the worrying thing for me. That. If we can keep winging it and getting results and putting out a team and just getting the result, because 
you know, where he's making changes and he's impacting the game and we're getting results. If he can do that for long enough and get us up, then yeah, quite rightly, I don't care. It'll it'll get us there. But my only concern is I can't tell what he's trying to do. Uh, we're not keeping the ball very well. We're, we're not playing very good balls kind of forward. Um, If we want to get forward quickly, we're not, we're not catching teams on the break. We don't seem to have a way of playing at the moment. And that is my only concern that it doesn't seem like much of a plan at the moment. And uh, I don't know whether that might uh, bite us on it when it comes to the playoffs. The only, the only thing I would say is that how many times over the last sort of four seasons have we sat here and gone, I wish we could just shit house our way out this league. Like, <laughs> yeah. look, at the teams who've, look at the teams who've done it. And we sit there and we're envious of the fact that they just shit house the league. They, they, they win by hook or by crook. And Sunderland couldn't do that. And mm. now I feel like we are a team who can do that. And we are doing it. The evidence is there. We're getting late goals. So it's, it's difficult. It's a uniquely Sunderland thing, isn't it, really? Is, you know, is it like if, if, if another team ground out a 1-0... We'd be saying, oh, you know, they're so streetwise, they're so savvy, they're so smart, et cetera, et cetera. And, they, you know, they're, they're, they're a solid team. If we do it, you know, we've kind of winged it, we've scraped it. And that's, I think that's just a way of... I mean, how many times have we sat here when we've had a really good performance and we've won? And some people have said, oh, it's just papering over the cracks. There's plenty of underlying issues there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's as if we can't establish that there's a, there's a kind of a right or a wrong way to win a game of football. But I've always said, when, when you're walking away from the stadium at the end of the game... You know, in my mind, it's do we have the points in the bag first and foremost, and then we think about the performance. And and at this stage, as I said earlier, at this stage of the season, every point is absolutely vital. So yeah. points over performances for me at this moment in time, personally. Yeah, and you're both right. Absolutely, you know, hit the nail on the head there, Gav. But it's it's the psychology of Sunderland being in League One. Yeah, and and yeah, it's it's and it's been like this from day one. That you know, when we're in our first season in League One, we we thought we should just run away with this and get back up because we're Sunderland. And then the second season, right, okay, well, we'll get 100 points this season because we're Sunderland. And, oh, right, well, we beat we beat Gillen at home 1-0. Yeah, but three points isn't good enough because we didn't play well enough. Yeah. It, and it's that it's that psychology that I don't think we'll ever get over because we shouldn't be in League One. If we, if we shit our, our way to these results in the Championship, we'd be absolutely gushing over getting the points and you know, pushing for the playoffs in, in, in the championship and oh, we might be Premier League next year. It's just the psychology of being where we are that we think yeah. that essentially we're underachieving. Even if, even at times we score in the last minute and win 1 0, it's an underachievement because we should do it better. And yeah, we can't, we can't seem to find that satisfaction, can we? Yeah, you know, it's like exactly. we're never, you know, no matter how well we play, it's like, well, that's the bare minimum we should be achieving because of the squad we've got, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you're absolutely right, Chris. You know, that is a, that is a mindset that we'll have to change at some point. And I think, I, I agree, I don't think it will change until we do escape this league. Yeah. And then, when we're in the championship and then we're playing against teams who maybe with a kind of a similar heritage and a history to ours, that's when your mindset can change. So I think it's a very interesting point, without a doubt. Uh, one person we haven't mentioned at all and I think deserves a big mention from... My perspective in terms of how he affected the game was Patterson and goal. Yeah, just I think I think if anybody came away from that and didn't feel like he he was the man who won us the game ultimately, then you know I know I know Embleton's goal was very important in the end, but Patterson made a number of saves in that second half, particularly the one where he it looked like he was sort of ten yards in front of the line and dove backward backwards to to hook it off the line. That was such an important save when you when you think of the the scope of the season and you look at the results yesterday at the weekend, when you look at everything in, in perspective and then you see what that save actually meant to the overall result of the game. It's just massive. It, amazing. And, he, and that kid, 
to be, and I said this last week, but I'll say it again. I didn't know what to expect from him. So when he first arrived on the scene and I was going to watch the 23s, it was very clear to me that he was good. Like I could see, I go to watch quite a lot of 23s football and most of it's rubbish. But when you do see the odd player who's got something about them, the standout, and he stood out. And then when he first came into the first team, uh, for for real, when I say for real, not I'm not counting sort of trophy games, EFL trophy games. When he first came into the team this season, he had a handful of decent performances. Then he had a handful where he wasn't so good, and then he went off the Notts County and he came back, and I don't think anyone was expecting him to play, and he's just took his chance and he's done one thing which a lot of keepers can't do. And that's when they don't have much to do, he stays on his toes and he and he, he makes important saves. And there were two in that second half, which won us the game in my view. And I'm over the moon because it's another young kid from the academy who's shown us what he can do and, and actually taking his opportunity. And I don't think, like I said before there, I don't think anybody would have foreseen he would be our number one. But barring injury, I don't see how anybody else takes that shirt off him at this point. What about you, Phil? Well, I mean, you know, I am before Patterson came into the team, I was a fully paid up member of the Thorburn Hoffman Appreciation Society. Um, <laughs> because I thought he looked really, really good in the games he played, particularly early season. But there's no doubt that Patterson's come into the squad. He's looked very, very solid. He's been very, very reliable. He hasn't been perfect. Um, and I think there are elements of his game that he needs to work on. But I thought yesterday felt like a real kind of coming of age performance for him. It was the kind of performance without trying to get too carried away here, because obviously he's still got work to do. I thought just the way he went about his business yesterday, um, you know, the way he keeps everybody nice and calm at the back, you know, he's commanded the area. I just think he's a really, really good goalkeeping prospect. And we can argue that maybe he was pitching in because of necessity, because of Hoffman in- Hoffman injury, et cetera, et cetera, or uh, illness or whatever it was. But he's taken his chance. And you have to credit Neil for putting that faith in him. You know, he's done a very, very good job since he came in. So... For me, I think it's a it's a good dilemma for Neil to have to have two good goalkeepers on hand that he can call upon um, in this running. So I think Patterson's done very, very well without a doubt. Yeah, you, you touched on um, there, Phil, how Patterson had to come back from from being on loan. And um, we heard from, I'm pretty sure it was Notts County fans, Notts County, wasn't it, where he was out on loan? Yeah, yeah. And Notts County fans were absolutely gushing over him, saying he was absolutely, they, yeah. they were gutted that he left. They were saying, oh, it's going to ruin our chances for the rest of the season and all of that sort of stuff. And you could tell that Patterson was comfortable there. He went to that level and he thought, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big man here. And, you know, he went in there, you know, put in performances. Notts County fans loved him. And because he was kind of parachuted back, when Hoffman went down with COVID, he, he almost kind of, he was taken out of a comfort zone at Notts County. And you could tell in those early games that he was like, oh, hang on, I'm not I'm not particularly comfortable here. It's it, He was a big fish in a, a small pond at Notts County and he came back and he looked a bit overrode with being thrown back in and saying, you're the number one. Um, so he took a while to get warmed up. But I mean, like you said, I mean, conceded one goal in the last six games. I mean, you know, you, you can't knock... You can't knock any keeper for that. I mean, absolutely, you know, super uh, statistics. But um, just on the game itself, I mean, yeah, that the focus will be on those late saves. But I'll point, I'll point to a save that he made in the very first minute when Oxford was going to. I can't remember who it was, but the bent one right in the top corner, and Patterson got a hand to it and tipped it over the bar. Because um, if they had taken the lead in the in the first minute, and we were playing how we were playing in that first half. Um, it could have been a completely uh, kind of 
and a different game, really. So um, I, I just think he's one of these that, with goalkeeper performances, we want to call out a good goalkeeper performance. So it's not as if he's sitting there doing nothing for um, for most of the game. It was like three or four really good saves to keep us in the game. So, um, yeah, absolutely no problem with uh, Patterson carrying on a goal at the minute. I think just one final point on Patterson, and you've just mentioned that there, Chris. It was as if he was kind of, when he came back, when he was recalled from Notts County, it was as if he'd just been flung the gloves and said, here you go, Pat, oh, here's your chance. Make the most of it type of thing, you know. And it was, I think it was a real baptism of fire for him, you know, and, and the mentality he has shown to kind of rise to that challenge, I think has been very, very impressive. And I think with your goalkeeper, you know, mentality is so, so crucial, as Gav said, you know, the ability to keep your concentration for the entire game, even if you're not called into action as regularly, to be able to switch on for that crucial save, that crucial block, that crucial catch that you've got to make, absolutely vital. And I think he's shown all those qualities without a doubt. The the, the other strand to that, which um, people might call us a bit soft for this, but I don't think Sunderland's been a very easy place for young players to come in in the last four years while we've been in League One. I mean, the atmosphere has been, you know, that we should be steamrolling teams. We should be kind of, you know, winning 3 4 nil at home. We should be beating these sides. And there's a lot of pressure. And, and all these, there's a lot of pressure on all the players who were pulled on Sunderland ships at the minute because the, the club shouldn't be in this position. But for young players to come in and, and, and try and impress at this level with the pressure that's on them, I think it's a tough place for young players to come in. And yeah. for Patterson to be then saying, you're the number one of this club and it's down to you to kind of be the, the number one goalkeeper. Like you said, from especially coming back from being on loan from, um, I think it was the in the National League, like you said, it was a big step from him and you can't fault them that the way he stepped up to it. No. So an, an important result, an important win, sets us up nicely for the next game, which is, of course, uh, Shrewsbury on Good Friday. So we haven't got as long to wait. We've got a day less before that game. Um, I've looked at their results recently, and there could be a sticky one. These like I'm not, I'm not, not taking them seriously. If that makes any sense, of look at the league table and the sort of in the in the middle, they're in sixteenth, but they've picked up some mad results recently. I know that they they, they managed to get a draw against Ipswich at the weekend late on. Um, Ipswich are a decent team who was the worst, sort of still in the running for a playoff place. They're probably out of it now. Uh, lost to MK Dons last week, but they beat Rotherham 3-0 away, and that was only a couple of weeks ago, and that's just making us think, you know, we, we, we've got to take them seriously. We've got to be guarded because they're not that bad. They're not a bad side. I look at their lineup, and, you know, apart from the obvious Tom Flanagan sat there in the defence, um, they're not a bad team. They've got some good League One players, and... I'm just concerned that this might be another one of those games where a team comes and puts ten men behind the ball and frustrates us. Yeah. Luckily, in you know, luckily the last three home games we've we've worked out a way to beat these teams. But when you look at what I was saying before, where we're not seemingly making any progress in the table, we just seem to just be seventh, sixth, seventh, sixth. We're not like we're not pushing out of that sort of area at all because nobody else is really dropping that many points. We've got to win this game. When you look at the rest of the fixtures, a home game against a mid-table team, you've got to beat them, haven't you, Chris? It, it, it's a yeah. given at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I know Alex, Alex Neal will probably turn around if we don't win and say, <laughs> well, we've got another five games left yeah. and there's still plenty of time. To, and, and that would be true. But for me, looking at those fixtures, that 
when, when I'm on about which ones are nailed on wins that you have to win, this is one of them. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, we're talking about bobbing around the same kind of area of the table, even though we're winning. And, and I don't mind that because imagine if we, we weren't picking up points and everyone else was, we'd be out of the race already. We'd be 10th, 11th in the table. I mean, take, take kind of six points off us. Where, where would we be? We wouldn't uh, probably within kind of wouldn't be in touching distance. So I, I don't mind picking up points if everyone else is in that sense, because um, I'd rather be in the mix. But uh, but yeah, the, the, the games like Shrewsbury, if you look at the fixtures we've got left, the Shrewsbury at home, the Cambridge at home. I mean, you know, we've got a fantastic record at home and I don't know why I feel this, but I feel more apprehensive about kind of those two than probably the, the other games that we've got left, the, the Plymouth, the Rotherham and the, and the Morecambe, just mm. because you said we found a way against Fleetwood and Crewe. But you know it it was they they were slogs and it'll be yeah. interesting on Friday to see if because he's got he's got a full week which is which is pretty rare especially at this stage of the season it's his last full week on the training ground with the players and um, before then it's Friday Monday Saturday Tuesday Saturday after that so it it'll be interesting to see how we shape up against Shrewsbury because. Alex Neal looks like he's someone who does his homework. He'll have looked at the Fleetwood and the crew games and thought, you know, we need to do something different because we can't we can't slog away at it for 70 minutes, get nowhere and hope that somebody's going to come up with some bit of magic in the last 15 minutes. So I'll be I'll be looking for us to do something different uh, against Shrewsbury. Um just on the Rotherham point, because you mentioned Rotherham and we've obviously got them um on the 26th, so a few days before the last day of the season. I was talking to a Rotherham season ticket holder this morning. They are incredibly worried. I mean, he he was saying he was saying they were awful at the weekend and they have been for weeks. He he was basically saying that they can't see where kind of the points are going to come from. Um, they they're playing that badly. He says just everybody's out of form. They all look knackered, um, and they're really struggling for points. He he's saying well, he's fully expecting not to be in the the automatics, so. It'll be be interesting to look out for Rotherham results until we play them to see if they pick up at all, and uh, that's that's going to be a big one before the end of the season. I think they've been crap since the middle of February. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've they've totally chucked it. They look like they were going to run away with it at one point. And now you're looking at it, they might even not even finish in the top three, yeah. which is crazy. Um, so it does show that there's a lot of pressure on all of these games. The one thing that I would point out about this weekend coming up, um. Wickham play Plymouth same time as we play, so that's a big game because Wickham are below us, Plymouth Plymouth are above us. I think we could do with Plymouth doing us a favour there. Really, we're not in the race with Plymouth, are we? I don't think at this stage. We yeah, we probably need a Plymouth win there, um, even a draw might wouldn't be too bad. But then, MK Dons and Chef Wed don't play till Saturday night, so we have a chance to to put a bit of pressure on Chef Wed. If we win that game, they've got to wait a whole another day to to play and. It's against a team who are now vying for the league title, so away from home as well. So you know, it it does show, doesn't it? Now we're starting to look at all these games and we're picking out the fixtures of what other teams are playing. It's getting it's getting the squeaky bum time now. And if you look at those three games, Wickham are playing Plymouth, who are, are fourth. Uh, MK Dons going for the league title at home against Chef Wed a day after we play. Son and Sh- Son of Shrewsbury is. Is the pick of those games really? You would you would rather be playing Shrewsbury at home, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, so, I mean you would be yeah you you would be you know and and the thing is as well is that you know for all we know I think I think you know Chris mentioned it it could be it, it could be a bit of a, a wild card stroke banana skin game for us um yeah you know 
given how unpredictable this league is, we could come out on, on, on Friday, play a really good attacking game and blow Shrewsbury off the park. It could be another chef mm-hmm. win. You know, you just you you just never ever know what how the cards are gonna fall in this league. You know, it could be it could be it could be a slog. Again, it could be one of those games where we've got to be patient, grind it out, or we could be on it from the first minute, we could put them to the sword and everybody could be celebrating at the end of the game. So I just think it's gonna be one of those it could be one of those peculiar games. The margin for error, though, is minimal, as you as you rightly said, yeah. Gav. You know, we are so kind of you know in the middle of what is a, a very very tight playoff race now. Teams are going yeah. to be nipping at each other's heels right into the final whistle of the final game of the regular season. But we've just got to uphold our end of the bargain. You know, we've just got to keep on knocking off the wins if we can. Leave others to their own devices and see how the cards fall when all is said and done for us. Yeah, and the Easter yeah. Easter weekend. I always love Easter weekend because every, yeah. everything could just turn turn on its head Easter weekend. I always remember our first season at the stadium like when we had QPR on the Friday and then we had West Brom on the Monday and we blew it. Um, we we drew both games when we were winning them both and uh, we yeah, blew automatic promotion. So any, anything, I mean, two two games in four days for everyone. I mean, yeah, it could all turn on its head. Jumping slightly ahead from that as well, if you look at the, the games Easter Monday and then the Tuesday we play Easter Monday at the same time as Wickham, who are away at Wimbledon. Who I don't, I don't think Wickham have uh, Wimbledon have won in twenty odd games, have they? But then, yet again, Chef Wed don't play till Tuesday night, so they've got another day to wait mm. after that game. So what I'm saying is, if we carry on doing what we're doing and we keep winning games, we're putting all of the pressure back onto Chef Wed, who have to wait to play. Yeah, you know they've got a full day. I mean, you could look at it the other way and go: if we blow the points, then they've got a day, and the, you know they're then up for it a bit more. And they're looking at it and they're going, "Right, come on, son, and drop points. Let's let's pick up and let let's make up ground on them." But for me, I see that as a positive in our favour. I think that Plymouth away is going to be hard, but you 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 take one game at a time. You look at the one that we've got, Shrewsbury at home. You've got to win that game. You've got to win that game, and then that gives you a little bit more momentum going to Plymouth, while teams around us have got difficult fixtures. And everybody's running out of time. Everybody's clawing away for those same two positions. Um, and I, I keep saying this to people. I'm I'm actually really confident. I, I'm one of the more optimistic Sunderland fans. And I see, I try to see the best in everything. But like, at the minute, I, I would be, as a fan of Wickham or as a fan of Chef Wade or a fan of Oxford, particularly Oxford now they've played us, I'd be looking at us, us and going... Oh, they're a bit they're quite ruthless, these guys that you know they're, they're difficult to beat and they're, and they're managing to find ways to win games and they've got a cracking team spirit and they've got a squad of players which should be the envy of everyone in the league because when the game's not going in their favour, oh we'll just throw in a couple of England youth internationals or this guy or you know, it it's working out for us at the minute. It, it, and it's it's gotta be it's gotta be seen as a positive. It is, but and it is. I I completely agree with that. It's all positive, but then I think with the position we're in, though, and the form we're in, we should at the at the position we're in, we should make the playoffs, which kind of cranks up the pressure a little bit, because we're in. I think after the after that weekend, after last weekend, we're in the driving seat, and yeah. we've got we've got the fixtures, we've got the form, so there's there's a fair bit of pressure on us to to do that because we should do it. I think it's psychological, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's like you know, it's if if you're playing just to use an analogy from a different sport, it's like if you're playing darts. You hold your own throw, puts all the pressure on the guy who's coming up to throw next, doesn't it? And I think it's a similar situation here. We uphold our end of the bargain by keep on churning out the wins, and that puts all the pressure on the likes of Sheffield Wednesday to respond to that. So hmm. I think that, you know, and I think that's, again, where I would trust us with Alex now, because I think psychologically he's toughened us up and he's made us harder to beat. So I think mentally we are more resilient now than we were under Lee Johnson. And I think that bodes very, very well. Yeah, and, and even looking further ahead from the Easter weekend, 
we have three games in a week, uh, starting with Cambridge at home and ending with Morecambe away. I, I just think we, when you look at our fix, I know we've got Plymouth and Rotherham to play, but I just think when you look at our fixtures and the way that we're playing at the minute, and we, the way we're picking up results, it would only be Sunderland who could blow that. So yeah, you know. case of death. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but that's it. I mean, you know, I I don't think. I mean, at this point. You know the odds are are on us to to do it. We should be with one of the playoff positions. If we don't make the playoffs from this position in the form we're in with the fixtures we've got, we have really blown it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right then. Well, good chatting, you lads. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure as always. No uh, we've blabbered on a lot longer than we normally do, but it was a good conversation. That's so I'll let you off. Uh, Shrewsbury next, like I say on Friday. I'm hoping we'll have a preview out. That might be with you, Chris. We'll try and sort something in the next few days for that, so people can check that out. Uh, over on Roker Report, I can't get my words together. I've taught that long. I've I've lost my ability to speak. Uh, RokerReport.com this week. There will be plenty of stuff reacting not only to the weekend's games, but looking ahead to the Easter weekend and hopefully some more victories for Sunday. And hopefully I'm back here next Sunday talking about how we were great. Yes, once again, another game. Uh, so thanks, lads. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and staying around for 50-odd minutes. And we'll catch you next week. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.